promise you this, if we would say, we want you to pray for 20 minutes for the next generation, we'd have to stop them at 22. Like, they just absolutely love it. Uh, my name is David Amson. I get to bring the word to you today. Um, before we jump into Holy Spirit 101, week number three, I would like to catch you up. We are in a year of radical devotion. What would it look like if every person that you know, or let's just not make it that big, what if you? What if you decided for one year of your life that you would be radically devoted to God in your decisions, in your thinking, in your worship, in your activities? What would it look like if you did it? And then think about this. Look to your right. Everyone look to your right. Look to your left. Okay. What if those people did it too? What if we had a people that were radically devoted to God just for one year of the life? How different would not only our lives personally look, but the society around us look? So in this year of radical devotion, we've decided rather than doing a spiritual campaign leading into Easter, we are doing a spiritual challenge. Now, if, you, if this is maybe your first week or you haven't been able to join us yet, you will find possibly in the chair in front of you, if not at our Next Step and Connection Center or on the QR code behind me, those in our online community, you can just hit that QR code and download a, a PDF of this document. It is the SOAP method. We are reading scriptures every single day by reading scriptures, doing an observation, applying it to our life, and then praying about it afterwards. Um, I have heard from multiple testimony. By the way, all this information is on this document and how to do it. If you don't know how to do it, go back and uh, listen to the last two weeks. I spend way too much time explaining it. And so do you have the SOAP method there? Um, I found out about a handful of our NAB groups, and I know my testimonies today are going to be generic, um, just to try to keep those who reported it uh, safe. And uh, at a couple of the NAB groups, they've been talking about the, this SOAP method and what they're doing. And what I've been told, and according to the documents that they sent in uh, reporting on their NAB groups, that there have been people just weeping talking about who the Holy Spirit is and how good he is. Uh, we have one gentleman who his family lives out of state, and so he has been getting on the phone with them every single night and every single night reading the single scripture to the entire family and taking his family who lives in a different state, possibly country, and going through the entire SOAP method with them, and they are excited every single night to do this with them. This past week, a part of your challenge was this, only listen to Christian music and or podcasts. And I'll be honest with you, this was a little more difficult than I thought, you know, and, and, and I know it's easy. We get hung up on semantics. Like anytime you go to a grocery store and there's music playing, you're like, oh no, it's not Christian, but I got to get my Cheerios. Like it's weird, but they don't make it weird. And so all of a sudden I found myself, there were times that I was used to going to a podcast. I, this is the time I normally listen to. And what I found, it jarred me back into, wait a second, I, how about I just listen to God at this place? Uh, one testimony, and I'll go ahead and say who it is because <clears throat> he's not here right now. Uh, my middle boy came up to me and he said, hey, have you heard this song? And I, man, it's the one I've been listening to forever for a couple weeks. Um, he has the dreaded hair. He's just the guitar. Brandon Lake Gratitude. By the way, Pastor Aaron is also a human jukebox. It's fantastic to have him around. Brandon Lake Gratitude. And it is just a song I've been playing on repeat. When your 12-year-old boy comes and goes, hey, have you ever heard this song? And he goes, I can't stop listening to it. 
And when your children are a part of this time of just setting themselves aside to listen to God, it's so exciting. I had another gentleman, it seemed like every day I came to my email, he sent a new YouTube link of the song he was listening to. So I'm telling you, this works if you work it. And we have incredible testimony. So this week, here's what challenge. I'm going to encourage you to continue to read your soap every single day. Read soap. Clean yourself up. Ready? Read soap. Number two, another part of the challenge is don't miss a Sunday morning. And I would say I've consistently seen this happening. Last week, it was no, Christ, no music or podcast outside of Christian. And it's up to you if you want to keep that going. But officially, that challenge is over. This week's challenge, I'm, I'm actually excited about it. Ready for this? Take five minutes a day and only talk to the Holy Spirit. See, right now you're like, well, that's easy. I'll pray. No, no, no. Listen to what I'm saying. For five minutes, talk to the person that is Holy Spirit. And here's, if I were going to add a little caveat, don't talk to him asking him for stuff for five minutes. How, how a, what a horrible relationship that every time you would call me, all you do is talk to me about your problems, talk to me about your struggles and what I can do for you. What if you do this for five minutes a day? Good morning, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I'll be honest with you. Pastor's been talking about you for the last couple of weeks and I'm not surely full, not surely I fully understand what he's talking about, but you are God. So I'm going to talk to you like God and God, I want to know you more. The thing is, I don't think I've listened to you very much because I didn't know that I should be tuning my spirit into who you are. And so, Holy Spirit, I guess I just would like to have a conversation. Like when I say talk to him for five minutes, talk to him for five minutes, and if you really want to take it to the next level, do it out loud. Because I don't know about you, whenever I pray to myself or read to myself, I sleep by myself. <laughs> is there anybody else out there, right? You kind of lull yourself into this monotone voice. But for five minutes a day, out loud, have a conversation with God. God the Father, sure. God the Son, it's never a bad idea. But God the Holy Spirit, that's where the challenge is this week. So if you're up to that, put your hands together and clap, which gives me a chance to transition. I want to remind you that over these last couple weeks and the weeks to come, I am more teacher David than I am preacher David. The research in which I am uh, preaching out of, I all I want to give credit, Dr. Fuchsia Pickett, Dr. Patty Amster, Pastor Robert Morris, Dr. Ron Cottle, Dr. Gary Chapman. When we're talking about the Holy Spirit, I'm not making up anything new. Historically, there's more than enough information telling us who he is. And so my examples may be personal, but the facts and the data that I want to give you is out of, let's say this, Bible college, history, pneumatology, um, um, theology that I feel like we need to know. So just put your thinking caps on because today, well, today will be very interesting. Welcome to week three of Holy Spirit 101. I say today is going to be a very interesting day because I could tell you in a single sentence the answer to today's question. Because today's question is, is the Holy Spirit available today? That's the question. And right now, many of us would go, yes. But listen, we got way too much time to eat up to be able to answer it that fast. So what I'd like to do, recap week number one in case you missed it. Week number one said this, if you do not see the Holy Spirit as a person, then you'll never have a personal relationship with him. 
So week number one, we covered that he is a person. And in this person, we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is his function. But he himself is God. God, who has a function as a father. God, who has a function as a son. God has a function as a spirit. But what we dove deep down into on the first week is God, the Holy Spirit, And so that's who we're talking about. Week number two, we said that the Holy Spirit is working towards a divine purpose, and that is to bring the presence of God to all of humanity. So we covered that in great detail. We even went into talking about how Jesus, we see, we always love the thought, if Jesus was just here today, it'd be easier for us to believe our faith. But the fact is, Jesus was here at some time, and there was a whole lot of people that didn't believe the faith. So a physical Jesus isn't what we need. We need God with us. And so Jesus kept saying, it will come. It will come. Everyone say, no, he didn't. He never called it an it. He called it a he. Why did he call it a he? Because week one, we found out that he is a person. So he, the person, is coming in power and strength to live for a divine purpose, and that is to bring God's presence to us. How important is it that the Holy Spirit is connected to us? That's what I'd like to cover this week. So the topic is simple. Is the Holy Spirit available today? And just so you know, I could answer this in a single scripture and a single phrase. But I have decided to take the very, very long way to answer this question. When I say the very long way, we're going to go all the way back to Genesis. And we're currently in Acts. That's 4,000 years. But we're going to stumble our way through this. And in order for me to answer this, I'm going to answer two questions that you've never asked me before and cover a handful of scriptures that you never wanted to talk about. Here's the first question that I get asked as a pastor all the time. What denomination are we? How many have asked that? How many has texted me that in the last two days? Her hand's still up. I just happened to see that. That's awkward, right? And here's the interesting thing. Like, we are a lot of denominations. I know that sounds really weird, but if you think about it, I actually love what the Baptists believe. The Baptists believe that people need to be saved and water baptized. I absolutely believe that. So I'm um, I'm 16% Baptist. That's what we are. We're 16% Baptist. And you know what else I love? I love when it comes to the Presbyterians. The Presbyterian, that denomination, if you were to ask what are they known for, they are known to be keepers of the word. I mean, they have, been, they have diligently for generations now made sure line upon line and precept upon precept, the word kept true to what the word is. And by the way, I love it. You're going to see in my teaching today, I love teaching. So was I 16% Baptist? I'm 24% Presbyterian. Like that's how much we are there. And then you have the Nazarenes. Boy, you didn't expect me to bring that one up, did you? That was the holiness movement. That's where that denomination came from, the holiness movement. And I need to be a lot more on this one. I'm not going to lie. When it comes to being holy, I'm a solid 4%, but it needs to be a lot more than that. I believe in it, and I just don't really walk it out every day. So, but when you start looking at all these different denominations, I would say that we are a lot of them, but we're none of them because we're not a part of one denomination. And the reason why we're not part of one denomination is, and by the way, this is just from our perspective, We always want to constantly pursue what God has. And when the church was born, it wasn't born underneath the specific umbrella. And so what, here's the interesting is, there's many denominations out there right now. Actually, I need to say that better. Every denomination that is currently out there 
They may or may not believe in the Holy Spirit today. But oddly enough, the reason they're a denomination is because there was a move of the Holy Spirit that brought a revelation to a people. So even if a denomination doesn't believe that the Holy Spirit is available today, they are established because there was a time in their life when it came to baptism, when it came to holiness, when it came to speaking in tongues, when it came to all these different things, there was a move of the Spirit and a people gravitated towards it, began moving in it, and what they did is they staked their flag in the ground and said, we can't lose this revelation, which by the way, when it comes to water baptism, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to the keepers of the word, when it comes to the holiness, we can't can't lose it but we also can't stay there we have to move on and so that's why I even say I'm partly Pentecostal didn't see that one coming did you now it is you I, I, I I'm not sure what Pastor Aaron just said but I think I I think he said I can't tell if he has a long blue jean skirt on is that what you said I thought and I don't wear makeup either, but I am for makeup. Not for me, for you. But like I'm, I'm for, but here's why, like when I throw out some of these denominations, you immediately have like, well, this is my perspective on them. But when it comes to being Pentecostal, if by Pentecostal you mean the biblical definition that I and we believe fully in the person and work of the Holy Spirit, we believe Pentecost is the fulfillment of the Feast of Pentecost, and we believe that every believer needs a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, then I would say this, yes, I'm even Pentecostal. And at the end of the service, there's a chance we're going to have like an altar call. <laughs> Why? Because we want the full expression of what God is doing here on the earth today and being alive and with the Holy Spirit. So let's do this. Let's take a second and let's demystify even the word Pentecostal. Let's just, let's start figuring out what some of this means. And eventually we'll get this question, is the Holy Spirit available today? Because right now you think that I've lost track and so far I haven't. It could happen though. And so Acts 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So here, here's your timeline. Jesus has died, he was in the ground for three days, and he was resurrected. Then what we find is that Jesus ascended into heaven. And after he ascended into heaven, there's this feast that was up and coming. Actually, during this time, there were three feasts that the children of Israel were always supposed to adhere to. In the first month, it was Passover. The third month, it was Pentecost. And the seventh month, it was the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus, when he came in the first month, fulfilled everything having to do with the Passover. If you don't know what this means, this was the time where Moses and the children of Israel were in captivity. And death was coming, but because of a sacrifice, ready for how this works out? Death passed over. That's how you get the name Passover. Death passed over. Jesus was alive during the festival of Passover, the feast of Passover, but rather than staying alive during it, he was killed in the ninth hour when the priest would sacrifice a lamb. And then by the third hour where the priest would bring into the, uh, the take the lamb to be cooked, be able to be, to basically grill, Jesus was put into a tomb. Jesus fulfilled Passover. If anybody is here today and you believe in your heart that you have been saved because of Jesus Christ, you believe in the Passover lamb. But now Penta, which Pentecost, ready for this? This is celebrating when Moses went up to Mount Sinai and got the law. 
And so this was a time where we would celebrate this Pentecost. And when you hear the word Pentecost, we're going to break this word down to demystify it. Here it is. Penta means five. Cost means to the 10th power. So Pentecost means 50 days later. So how much later were these people in an upper room where suddenly their sound of, of, from heaven came like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting? How many days later was it? It was Pentecost days later. <laughs> like that, that's what this word is. 50 days later, they were sitting in an upper room and a mighty rushing wind came in. So why does all this matter? Well, I, I haven't gone far enough back yet. Let's go all the way back to Adam and Eve. You have Adam and Eve in the garden. If you're not aware of this, this is in the book of Genesis. We believe that God created the heavens and the earth. And some people say it takes thousands of years. I just happen to believe what the Bible says, that God created it in six days. And upon the completion of all of heaven, all of earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, every living animal that both crawled and swam and flew, after God was done creating all that, he was like, you know what? The only problem with everything that I see here right now is none of it looks like me. Or if I can say it this way, I don't have anything in my image. I have stuff that I've created, but I need something to take care of and rule this place as if it was me. So God it reached down into the dirt and he created an image. We know it as Adam, right? He created this image and then something interesting happened after that. God leaned close enough where he kissed, heaven kissed earth and he blew life into the nostrils. Or if I can say it this way, God alivened his image by breathing the breath of who he is into this image bearer. So this image bearer had now become alive with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, you know that the breath is important. Why? Have you ever been around someone who was passing away? What's the final thing that they do? They breathe their last breath, Right? The breath of God was inside of mankind and he laid down and he breathed into this image that he created and he alive in this thing. And when it came alive, God then said, here's your job. Now that I'm alive inside of you, your temple, your tent, this house that I've created for you, it needs to go to work. And so Adam was supposed to do what? Subdue and have dominion over all the earth. That was his job. Now, Adam and Eve had a little different idea. They decided to go pluck a piece of fruit and eat it and basically say, I want the image of someone else. That was, that was what ended up happening. And it's weird because the moment they ate of the fruit, here's what they said. Oh, Lord. I'm, they didn't say, oh, Lord. I, I need to, that, that's really not in the Bible. But they said to themselves, my gosh, I'm naked. Are you telling me they ate one piece of fruit and they were naked? Like, listen, I've eaten a lot of food before. And there's never been a time halfway through my meal that my shirt just popped off. Like, and so what does it mean that he was naked? Here's what it means. Is that this holy God that created an image and alivened it with his very spirit, all of a sudden, wait, this house, this abode is no longer good for me to live in because it's not holy. So the Holy Spirit left who Adam was, and the moment the Holy Spirit left, Adam went, good God, I'm naked. And rather than running to God and saying, what did I do? Help me clean up my abode. 
rather help me clean up this house, Adam went, and what we all do, he went and started sewing together fig leaves to try to cover and protect himself. And God said, no, 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 listen, you can't do this yourself. You need me to be the temple that I created you for, to be the image that I made you to be, to be enlivened with the spirit. And so Adam and Eve, they found themselves in nakedness. And so the, thing, the, the weird thing about it is, even though we were naked or our abode wasn't a place where the Holy Spirit could abide, you like that phrase? I hope you do because you're about to hear it 20 more times. So our abode, our house wasn't in place. We as a people still had a craving deep down inside to have a connection with the spiritual thing outside of us. Throughout all of humanity, every people group that ever existed, they all say that there's something outside of us that we need to get a hold of. But the question is, what is that thing outside of us and how do we apprehend it? Well, in Genesis 11 now, don't worry, I've just I've for, fast forwarded just a few hundred years on you there. In Genesis 11, we find out about this thing called the Tower of Babel. And the people had this craving inside of them to have a connection with God. So what did they do? They built a tower. Or can I say this? They created an image. And the reason they wanted to create an image because they had a desire for heaven and earth to touch. Or if I can say it this way, they were trying to aliven this thing so that they could have a spiritual connection to a world outside of them. And God showed up and he said, listen, you have the right craving. You're just going about it the wrong way. And so this is where at the Tower of Babel, he confused their language. How many remember this story? Where all of a sudden there was all these people speaking one language, and the next thing you know, blah, 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 and you're not speaking my language, but this people group is. So this group kind of went off because they were all speaking Spanish, and these people all went off, they were speaking German, and this people, and right now there's someone here going, they spoke Spanish back then? No, but I don't know what um, uh, Philistine sounded like. So like, this is what they did. So they all split off. And this is where we get all of our people group, but what God did was he said, listen, you still have a craving to be connected. So here's what I'm going to do. After the children of Israel had been in captivity for some time under Egypt and Pharaoh, he had Moses bring them out. Or if I, I can say this, he grabbed some new imagers and brought them all the way to Mount Sinai. And in Mount Sinai, if you don't know what this story is, all of a sudden a cloud showed up on the top of the mountain and there was thunder and there was lightning and God was sitting up there and he goes, hey, Moses, come on up. I don't know if that's what he said, but Moses knew to come on up and Moses went to come on up. And all of a sudden God was saying, listen, I need you as a people to become alive with who I am. And in order to become alive with who I am, I need to be written on your hearts. But the problem is the people's heart were so stony that God's about to tell them not to commit adultery while looking down the mountain and all the people are down there committing adultery. And he's about to write down, don't have a graven image. As he looks down, they just made a golden calf. So literally, guy goes, I can't aliven you the way that I need you to be because your hearts are full of stones. So I'm going to write my Ten Commandments on these stones as a visual picture of who you are. But my desire is to tabernacle with you. My desire is to be close to you. So build this ark, build this tent, and you will still have a tabernacle that's alivened because of the image that I told you to build. And so now all of a sudden, you see it with Moses, you see it with David, you see it with Solomon. We continued to have these tents that God would give us the image so the Holy Spirit could aliven. But that was never what God's intention was. It was never these four walls. 
It was a person. It was a people. And then all of a sudden, who do we get to come along? Jesus. Jesus now shows up, and we're going to read this out of uh, Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. I, sometimes, can I just tell you, I find the Bible funny. As soon as he was baptized, he came up out of the water. Like, of course he did. If not, that's called the drowning. Like, I, I know no one else reads that the way I do. But I love how, like, practical the Bible's like, he went down. It was, he came up, yes, and it was immersion, completely underneath the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, alighting on him. And the voice of heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So first of all, this is not the conversation that we're having over these couple weeks, but if we were going to have a conversation about the Trinity, this is a key scripture that I would go to. God the Father speaking, God the Spirit descending, God the Son standing there. All three in one place. I'm not sure why we're debating the Trinity. It makes it pretty clear. Three in one right here. And so now when it comes, it says the Holy Spirit came and descended upon him. So let's say it this way. You have Jesus Christ who's the image of God. And all of a sudden, the Spirit come and he alivened him with power. And now Jesus, his tent, is able to move out in power to be the demonstration and ambassador on the earth that is the connection between heaven and earth. Nothing can happen on earth outside of God's ambassadors doing it. After God created for six days, he turned to us and he said, it is your turn to do my work on the earth and I'm going to work through you to do it. And now Jesus, if you want to know what the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of a, ready for this? When the Holy Spirit is abiding in your abode, all you have to do is look at what Jesus did to see what we were created for. We were created to preach. We were created to witness. We were created to heal. We were created to bring life. We were created not to create strife, but deconflict situations. This is what the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you can do. And so now you have Jesus walking and talking. And, and, and in your brain, you're sitting there thinking this, Pastor, you said that you're going to answer the question, is the Holy Spirit available today? And so far, here's what I know. We are a mixed bag of denominations I know that Adam and Eve failed to be the abiding abode that uh, God wanted us to be, but somehow we got through with Moses and David and Solomon. We all talk different languages because of Babel, but Jesus is who we're supposed to be like. I don't feel like you're any closer to answering the question, is the Holy Spirit available today? I'm not. So let's keep reading. Acts chapter 2 then, I'm going to start tying all this together and why I laid this backstory out for you. Acts chapter 2 verses 5 through 6. We now have Jesus ascending. We have the Holy Spirit that has descended upon the people. And it says in verse 5, now there we're staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, what was the sound that they heard? They heard the sound from the upper room like a mighty rushing wind come flying in. And when the people of God got hit by this mighty rushing wind, it says that there were tongues of fire upon their head. And these people came stumbling out into the multitude. And I say a multitude, we know at least 3,000 people were there because that's how many people got saved. 
And when they heard the sound, the, the crowd came together. They were bewildered. They were confused. They were, this is crazy. What is happening? Because each one of them heard in their own language what was being spoken. Why does this make sense and why is this powerful? Because back in Genesis, when we were talking about the Tower of Babel, we saw that there was a group of people gathered in rebellion. But now in the upper room, we see a group of people that are gathered together in submission. In the Tower of Babel, they were gathered together full of human pride, trying to get what they wanted from God. But in this upper room, they were gathered in humility, waiting on the instructions that Jesus has told them to. In the Tower of Babel, they were one language heading in the wrong direction, so God created confusion and split multiple languages. In the upper room, there were multiple languages, but the Holy Spirit is now alive inside of these people, and rather than multiple languages, the Holy Spirit was able to speak one language. Why is this a big deal? Because Pentecost is the blessed reversal of the cursed judgment of Babel. The Pentecost is the blessed reversal of the cursed judgment against Babel. Every, I'll let you clap on that one. Every ethnic group, every nation, every tongue praising God in their own language. And by the way, I think it's on week number five we're going to be covering. So two weeks from now, we're going to talk about tongues. And we're going to try to, let's say, it demystify this too. I have a question. In your life, what's the number one thing that has ever got you in trouble? <laughs> right? Are we really surprised that the number one thing that divides the Christian community is the, the tongue? But yet... We covered in week number two, I think it was, that God is omni. Here's, I'll say it this way. He's omni-smart. He's wicked smart. I don't, I don't know why I went Boston on you. But God knows everything. And if he knows everything, is it a really surprise that these people came out of the upper room and Gentiles, Philistines, Romans, Greeks, Jews, they were speaking a language they didn't understand, but the person other there understood it. Listen, the all-knowing God said, I want everyone to hear this, and I'm going to use the language I know. We would just go, wow, that's a miracle. But then let's just add one more step. Is it really surprise us that the Holy Spirit has a language all unto himself? I know, I'm just bothering you now. Come back in a couple weeks and we'll cover that in greater detail. But right now, here's what I do know. Mankind throughout time had a craving to connect with a God, a power, an entity, a deity outside of him. And we tried many different ways to do that. But our God, the one and only true God, showed up for humanity and said, let me make this connection for you. And when I make this connection for you, I'm not some distant being that you have to travel and see. I want to abide in your abode. I want you to be my imagers. I want to aliven with you with who I am so you can reach your full created potential. So what does Pentecost show us? It shows us that we are God's crafted imagers. It shows us that the breath of God blew and brought life into our being. And number one, that God would prefer to abide in these abodes over any other created thing that we could give him. So now, <clears throat> don't know if you noticed, still haven't answered the question, is he available today? We are getting much, much closer. 
Acts 2, verses 3, and when they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. So this is now we're back in the upper room before the people spilled out onto the streets. I find something interesting here because it says that each person received it. Let me tell you this. The Holy Spirit is available for each of us. It's not a clergy thing. It's not a class thing. It's not a monetary giving thing. The Holy Spirit is available for each of us. And I love this next scripture. It says, all of them were filled with the Spirit and began speaking in tongues as the Spirit enabled them to. By the way, the word tongues there is the Greek word glossa. Doesn't that sound like glossary? It's where we get the exact same word. So when the Holy Spirit showed up, he expanded our language. Ta-da! Like, let's, again, just trying to demystify this. When the Holy Spirit shows up, we get a broader understanding of life and God. But then here's a, okay, so congratulations, this is the thing of fire. Those online, I hope you can see this. So all of a sudden, a tongue of fire shows up on top of their head, right? And by the way, I'm not going to let my hand go. Some of you are wondering, I can balance it, so let's go with it. So, okay, so all of a sudden, I look at you and you got tongues of fire. I look at you, you got tongues of fire. I look at you and I got tongues of fire. I look at me. I look at me. I wonder if each person had to believe by faith that they had the Holy Spirit. Because how can you see for yourself what you have? You believe by faith that you're saved through Jesus Christ, even though you don't see his physical blood all over you. You by faith believe that there's a God the Father because there's been times where you felt his warm embrace and he breathed upon you. I just heard a testimony during this Holy Spirit series that a gentleman told me that he's never had a natural father, but during this series, he's felt the love of a true father. But how do I tell if I have the Holy Spirit? It's by faith. It's by faith you can receive the Holy Spirit. So now the question is, can we have it? Acts 1, 4 through 5. And on one occasion, this is now Jesus sitting around with his disciples. He gave them this command. He said, don't leave Jerusalem. When are they supposed to wait there? They're supposed to wait there Pentecost amount of time. How amount of time is that? 50. There you go. We're all learning together. And he said, give the, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait until the gift of my father, which has been promised, which you've heard me speak about. John the baptized, baptizer baptized with water, but in a few days, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying, stay there for this promise. Now, we've already read that the Holy Spirit came rushing in like a mighty wind. Flames of fire came out. They moved down into the street, and people were saved. And then the first sermon that occurs in the New Testament church is Peter standing up. And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So step number one in getting right with God is asking Jesus to forgive your sins. It's right here. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So now we know that it happens after we receive Jesus as our Savior. But let's keep reading. The promise. That means if God promises it, it doesn't run out. This is signed, sealed, and delivered. And ready for this? For you, your children, and for those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. I have a question. Anybody born 2,000 years ago? Anybody, were you a child 2,000 years ago? How many of you fall under the category, I'm a far off from that? 
congratulations, there is a promise that the Holy Spirit is still available for you today. But ultimately, the Spirit of God is looking for an abode to abide in. So here is the one scripture that I've taken 35 minutes to get to. And it's 1 Corinthians 6.19. It says, don't you know, come on, don't you know this, that your bodies are a temple for the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that this earthen vessel is nothing more than a tent that God created in his image and the Holy Spirit alivened it with his breath? And the moment he alivened it within his breath, he dwells with inside of you who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are an imager of God with the Holy Spirit living inside of you so that you can do the same things, the same power that was in Christ Jesus dwells with inside of you. So, at the end of week three, I believe that he is a person. Number two, I can see that he has a job to do here on earth. Number three, I believe that he's present today because I am an image bearer of God and he wants to abide in my abode. So how does the Holy Spirit manifest himself? How does he show? What does it look like when he lives in our life today? I look forward for you to come back next week so I can give you those answers. But for now, here's what I'd like to do. We ended worship just a couple minutes early on purpose. I'm officially two minutes and five seconds over my preaching allotted time. Yes, there's a red clock right here telling me that. And I ate up eight seconds telling you that. So, God, what a waste of time. I would like to do something just a little different than we normally do. I'm just going to ask, um, I think we don't have the whole band. I'm going to ask one of our worship team members to come back up and just get on the piano. So I've said to you, I believe that the Holy Spirit is available to you today. And personally, I think I would do an injustice if I say the Holy Spirit's available for you today and you just go, okay, well, I want him. But we're out of time. We have to dismiss. So throughout the New Testament, and by the way, week number six, we're going to cover this in great detail. People were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when I say baptized in the Holy Spirit... I don't mean through water, that's water baptism. But the spirit of baptism is one of three baptisms that are available to the church. And here's what I believe. I believe that a lot of you in here know who the Holy Spirit is. Maybe today you're sitting there going, man, I, I want more of him. But here's what I want to do. In just a second, we're going to start playing some music. And, and I am going to actually, our online community, actually, let me do this now. I don't know how useful this would be for you to just sit here and watch us. So if you're at home right now or if you're listening to this after the fact, I just pray that the Holy Spirit falls wherever you are. I pray that the couch that you're in, you begin sinking down in. I pray that a weight of his glory, his abode begins filling your environment. I think someone's going to get emotional and you don't know why. I think someone's going to start feeling at peace and you can't understand it. That's because the Holy Spirit is moving in on you and he is available to live with you today. And so right now, I just pray for our online campus. I pray that God begins filling where you are at and no matter what's happening in your world, everything else is silent so that you can hear the abiding voice of the Holy Spirit inside of you.
So online community, I'm going to let you go at this time, but may God bless you, may he keep you, may his face shine down upon you, and may the Holy Spirit show himself very, very real to you right now.